week's Merge Conflict, we talk about what exactly is a bug, and when is that actually just a feature request that your users are annoyed with? How do you triage them? How do you handle them? How do you get your app back into the App Store? All that and more on this week's Merge Conflict. Now, Frank, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that I write perfect bug-free software. BS. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the dream no, and goal, on. right? <laughs> no, that, that's the wrong dream and goal. You can't run write bug-free software. It's impossible. But, you know, it compiles, and once it compiles, then it, <laughs> it's good to go, and I just try catch my whole application, and it's good, right? And you have five unit tests covering 10,000 lines of code. So, yeah, totally bug free. Exactly. Well, I think it's, you know, no matter, um, you know, I've been creating software for a long time, big enterprise, small startup, mobile applications. And one thing's for sure. I mean, you can never test every single edge case. You never know what your users are going to do. I think that's 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 my problem with bugs is that I never know what my users are going to do. And also, I have no idea what soft like software or hardware they're actually running their applications on what makes it very yeah i was difficult. just about to interrupt you there i was going to say it's when the operating system changes on you too uh, <laughs> yeah have you been running into anything like that recently like what's your biggest problem yeah. when you you know think about your applications that are running and what are causing bugs Oh, the biggest uh, sources of bugs, I guess. But um, I'm going to start right out with the operating system. It's always a hassle. I think we were just talking about it on a previous episode, but whenever they change the operating system, things break. And in my case, I have really subtle bugs that have broken. And so you have to track down uh, all the sources. Yeah, the worst is when there's like a subtle bug. And you're like, oh, this one, this is like, this is okay. Like, we can ignore this, right? Like, it's it's okay. Like, we're not going to ignore Or the ones that you just flat out don't understand. I have this bug where sometimes continuous, my IDE, it just doesn't show up in the share sheet. Like, an iOS, a share sheet is an operating system provided thing. I don't really have too much control over it. Sometimes it shows up, sometimes it doesn't. And I'm trying to figure out why. And oh man, what a bug that's going to be. Well, the worst, the worst kind of bugs to, to mark down are things like that, which are unpredictable bugs. Like, if there's a bug that's crashing and you have some crash reporting software in there, like Hockey App. Oh, that's or the dream bug. Those are the good yeah. ones. Those are the I ones. love exception handlers and getting a stack trace. Yeah. And, and that's always nice, but often it's the case where there it's unpredictability of applications. And sometimes it does have to go around with just even the look and feel. Like sometimes your look and feel can be a little bit different on different versions of the OS. Uh, and yeah, there's so many levels of bugs. I mean, just from the UI, just changing the behavior of a UI or the UI just not doing what a user anticipates. That's a bug. A lot of people will just call it a bug. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually interesting. We recently in Visual Studio, so Xamarin just updated to cycle eight a little bit ago and they removed a button in the IDE in Visual Studio, <laughs> which was to package an Android application bug it seems like a bug <laughs> you know at first glance that seems like a that seems like a bug you're like oh it's gone and then if you know when they remove the uh pinch to zoom the text to expand and uh decrease the text when that went away bug, bug. for sure bug well, the difference the difference is like so with the packaging is that they actually added an entire new workflow called archive manager so on ios uh. you've had this archive manager and in, in, in xamarin studio really to archive and package and manage everything in one spot right, so they added right. this huge feature but you know we we didn't you know necessarily 
even if you read the documentation, it's there on it and you know, the new features are there. But if you're a new user that installs the application and removes something, bug, right? Which is kind of so interesting to kind of take a look at. And that's not, that's not you know, yeah. our, your fault as a, as a developer because you remove something, but you, I guess you got to tell them where it's at, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> well, honestly, I don't even know where to go from that one because it's a little scary if you can't ever change your UI because people just say any change is a bug. That's a little bit scary. But in the case of a button, yeah, people get used to a button. Well, I just say do it. Just you know, whatever's best for your just change your UI. Just change your UI. People will adjust. But the worst are like tracking down the bug. So what do you have to do for this type of bug? Are you did you buy a whole bunch of different <laughs> hardware and running different OS versions to try to debug? No. Oh, this one's a lot worse. Uh, this is like info p list stuff. Mm. So so these are keys to get registered with the operating system to tell the operating system what your app's capable of. And basically, I have to audit, I guess is the right word, go through all my keys, decide if they're correct. And I'm honestly even going the terrible route of uh, getting other people's apps and uh, what's the right word? De not decompiling, but just expanding them, looking at their info P list, seeing what things they register because... The Apple Docs are good, but in this case, the Apple Docs aren't going to explain why your app sometimes shows up and sometimes doesn't. Yeah, I think that was my one of my favorite operating system bugs had to do with the background process. I'm going to look it up. You're going to hear me type because um, I totally have it in my step counter application. <laughs> in Android KitKat, they introduced a new API for uh, doing pedometer tracking and it was quite interesting because in the background, you're going to have this step service that's keeping track of all your steps. And I literally, <laughs> this is so great because what happens is you mark, so you can do something really awesome and you can mark your, your um, service as sticky, which means that the operating system will never kill it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> it's very nice. Now, and what's nice there is that if if it's been removed, if it if like someone you know, manually stops it, you, you can restart it yourself. Um, yeah. uh, automatically, or you can, since it's sticky, it'll try to restart when it has some more resources automatically. So you don't have to really worry about it, which is very nice. Um, but <laughs> what's kind of funny is that in KitKat, which is the same version where they added this new API, they also broke the part where if someone closes your application, uh, it's supposed to leave your service that sticky open, but it, sure. but it actually stops it or it may stop so you actually have to do two things which is what i did and it's in my documentation in my source code it literally says like uh restart service every 60 minutes just in case for some Aww. reason it stopped and then that's how you keep web servers up too. exactly well then i have another one which is worse <laughs> which is that on kitkat and some other versions just randomly your service will get a task removed even though it wasn't removed it's not supposed to be removed, <laughs> but in this version, they broke it. So I'm like, all right, if you get it. So are these, this is crazy, man. Are these flat out bugs? Like this is Google's acknowledge these as bugs or is this just policy change? So that's back to our original bug source. This is a good question. And from what I've seen, like, so then people open up bugs on actual 
um, policy changes or whatever, operating system differences, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Like, well, in Android 4.4.1, it worked. In 4.4.2, it doesn't work, you know? And then they're like, well, yeah. the workaround is just to do this. And, and now it's just accepted that that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Workarounds could be a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah. How do we feel about workarounds? It, yeah, they're fun to put in. They always do work around the problem. But six months later, you're staring at that workaround and you're like, why am I doing this in such a stupid way? Well, I got lucky at least that this one was pretty good and, and like keeps it there but it, that, that one is my favorite and um probably of these how do you even test that right because it, it's 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 probably not an even on every single application you know every single os that's out there it's just on these specific sure. versions newer versions may have fixed it maybe samsung fixed it right it's just like who pulled in what yeah like it's so hard to manage. wow you're really making me want to get back into the android world here it's great i, I really can't wait to write more apps for android it's, it's fantastic <laughs> i highly recommend it <laughs> so what other uh, uh bug sources are there i was just thinking of one um you're making me bring up my past of all my worst <laughs> bugs but i had a recent one where it was a dev environment versus production classic web mistake mm. Was that a, have you ever had one of those? Like a web.config oh. problem? It, it's pretty close. In this case, I was using uh, the iCloud cloud service to store data. Ooh. And mm -hmm, I forgot to switch from production to, I'm sorry, from dev to production. And so when the app was actually released, keep in mind, it worked perfectly fine all the way up through this because developer works fine. But when I released the app, of course, everyone's app crashed. Oh, that's not good. I even had Miguel <laughs> tweet about it. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> I mean, those things happen, though. And, the, and, the, and I think the, the thing is that as long as you respond to them as, you know, as fast as possible, and there's priority cues, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, that type of yeah. bug needs to be fixed and remedied immediately. Where That's like stop all other work. Correct. <laughs> Focus on this. Fix this bug. Correct. I had a good example of an application. I, I remember I updated it a while ago, but it was in my media center where I had this button where you could speak to your, you could speak to the search and you could like speak to it and be like, oh, let me search for um, some show or some movie. Sounds and it good. would just go find it. So I wouldn't have to type the whole thing in something must have changed in some android version or something and like when you click that button it just crashed the application now uh -huh. that's a bad bug and that's a bug <laughs> that uh you know i get reported on i get feed stuff mm -hmm. back on it the problem was is that it was there for two years and no one ever reported it or said anything and i never saw any reports on it it wasn't until i tested it like two years later because it did work at one mm. point yeah sure so the thing is that that seems like a serious. It never came up in a review. It never came up in anything. But no, not at all. Wow. I didn't have. But you know for a fact because you have logs that X number of people were hitting it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. I have logs, and I didn't. I saw like one or two reports trickle in, so not very many. Um, but okay. I didn't add advanced logging till later on in the system. Sure. So yeah. it's interesting. So even though that bug exists and it crashes the application, <laughs> it's not like it was really even all that important because no one used it. Well, Okay, well, we have to go to, uh, this is another famous 80-20 rule in software. People only ever use 20% of your app. You got to make every part of your app awesome because people tend to use different 20% of your mm -hmm. app. But in general, um, especially features, you know, if it's two or three screens away, 
the drop off of using is pretty bad. Yeah. You want to make that make sure that first the first twenty percent of whatever people are using the first ten to you twenty. You can't seconds. anticipate though. That's always the worst. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've worked on a lot of apps where you work really hard on this part of the engine or whatever. You make this part really sophisticated, but then, then people just want to use this other part of the app. And you're like, oh well that was an afterthought. I better make that better real fast because <laughs> it's buggy. <laughs> well so how do you go around prioritizing your bugs or actually knowing you know what's out there? Because there's obviously user reported stuff and then there's stuff that yeah. you frank have been using your application and this bug quote unquote because sometimes mm-hmm. bugs aren't bugs right they're actual feature requests that sure. are bugs yeah. in your mind but how do you prioritize them how do you actually go about you know putting those into your workflows uh, so we talked about workflow before and i just keep giant lists of everything so this kind of goes into the inbox list um what uh, user bug reports pretty much get the highest priority for me. Uh, I always keep a list of everything that I think is wrong with the app, <laughs> but this goes the kind of 80-20 again of the way I th- I use the app or I think people use the app may not be representative of how people actually use it. Mm-hmm. So when someone sends me a bug report, I take that as a <laughs> a high, 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 high priority, basically. Um, aside from Apple sending me an email saying they're kicking my app off for some reason <laughs> or another, <laughs> next in level is definitely the user. Yes, the, the the best motivation to fix a bug money is, is money <laughs> and to get it into the app store. Yeah, and and even then you get a lot of bugs uh, from users, like you said, feature requests also, uh, and the big ones are obviously the crashers. So. You can't have a crashing app. That's just so terrible. You can't have. No, I mean, I fixed it. As soon as I found it, I fixed it. <laughs> it was like a oh, while yeah. later, right? No, I'm not judging, man. Mm, a little every bit. single one of my apps has crashed. <laughs> I've, 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 oh, I had a bad record going for a while where my 1.0s were always terrible. You really wanted the 1.0.1? Yeah. I mean, that's what exactly what, what a lot of, I think even what iOS 10 was iOS 10. Oh, yeah, they had a bricking problem or something, right? Yeah, what operating system comes uh, out doesn't have a bricking problem. (laughs) I guess so. I swear. It's like every year, like clockwork on it. Uh, How how do you feel about operating system bugs? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's operating. But you know what's interesting is that when we say bugs, you know, a lot of people think of bugs as crashes. Um, and that's not yeah. necessarily the case. Like that is a bug, right? A, a bug is a crash. But when how I define a bug, and I'm interested to see how you define a bug, is is essentially is when a piece of functionality doesn't perf- doesn't perform the action that essentially was kind of guaranteed or like what the user thought it was, right? Yeah, and I, I go really strong on that user thought it was. Even if I think it's a bug or not a bug, I usually go by what people say. Yeah, it's like you have a specification like when I click X, this button, it should do this. And yeah. if you if you're if your application is, you know, archi- I mean, not actually architected correctly, but I think if if it's a good application and good piece of software, normally when the bu- person clicks that button, they are respect they are expecting exactly what you did. Right. So if I'm in swarm and I click check in it should probably check me into that location that I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, if I search for something and I search for, you know, 
coffee, it should find me the coffee places around me. It shouldn't show me like pizza shops. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, it, it's a reasonable <laughs> expectations. But yeah, if I... Your software should work or show me a spinner. Give me a progress bar, a spinner, or just do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it shouldn't show another... Yeah, or it shouldn't just show nothing. And that's another thing too is these these bugs that aren't really bugs that are just like missing features. Like, oh, I, w- I was disconnected from the internet. So the application didn't crash. It just didn't show me anything. Yeah, uh, definitely the bugs where uh, the user takes a direct action. I think those are kind of the easiest to diagnose because essentially it's the old bug report of you have them describe, okay, where were you in the app? What data did you have loaded? Basically, what state was the app in? And what did you do next? What caused the bug? And so like the button is sometimes the easiest one to replicate. The hardest and most terrible ones are background services, network services, any of those things that could potentially be flaky. And there's a million different interactions between them. Those are the killer bugs. Yeah. Well, so how do you go even about diagnosing that stuff? I mean, if that's the number one thing in your priority queue, right? Is it just like sit there all day and bang your head against the wall and try to repo? repo? What if you can't repro it, right? Oh, those are the worst. Then you have to start bugging your customers. And I, I, I'll, I'll do it. If I can't repro it, I'll just start sending screenshots. And I've been pretty lucky. I have great customers. And most people, if I ask them for their help, if I make it very clear to them that I really need their help, uh, I can usually get them to start sending screenshots and things like that. But Wow. Uh, I'm an old school programmer. So the fact of the matter is if it's one of those tricky bugs, I just start putting print statements and log statements everywhere. And I log the heck out of the app and I just stare at that log until I see where the bug is. Yeah, it's are you? <laughs> it's logs. I'm not going to lie about it. There's, it's logs. There's it's no logs. other way. I mean, software. Yeah, we've tried everything. It's just logs. <laughs> you, what I've what I've had to do to sometimes like problem, like actually debug some of the, the bugs that have come in is sometimes it's just the the state like you're expecting like what state is this coming in so is this thing null is it not null what is the value and if you don't print them anywhere if they're not in your user interface and you don't know and you're trying to yeah. debug this stuff they don't and, exist man they just don't exist yeah and then sometimes things work in debug but don't work in release <laughs> so like then you really have to log everything right you log things to the council so that's my favorite part is like in android world there's logcat which is like fantastic so when you use Mm-hmm. When you use debug.writeline, it'll go to logcat, or you can just use Android's logger um, on mm-hmm. whatever you want. Usually I have some iLogger functionality that, that can then log to anywhere, right? So if I do use a crash reporting service like Hockey App, I could I could report those things somewhere else, or I could report it to some something else like App Insights or whatever I needed to do. Um, but you know, for me, that's for me. So when I go into the, the yeah. log cat or even I could even have someone send me the log cat. Oh, and that's so great. Or if I'm in UI <laughs> test, I can get the log and I can see everything I I've had it. Yeah. So every other line of my application was a log and, and I had to do it. And like, that's how you get it. That's how you <laughs> was that paranoia or was the software that bad? <laughs> um, no, it was like some weird state. And it's like, I couldn't track down where the, where it was going awry. Right. What, what, after what call yeah. was it in this call where, you know, where was it at? And the but problem is you had to release a version with all those log statements in it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I've thought about this a lot because uh, log statements aren't just great for uh, finding bugs, but it's also great when you're actually developing software. Mm -hmm. It'd be great if I, you know, um, wrote unit tests for every line of code. But the fact of the matter is sometimes you don't know if something's working until you've run through with the debugger and done some printfs. 
And the problem is I pretty much always delete all those. Once I get the feature working, I delete all those. Yeah. What I wish I did was convert those to logger statements and then just turn off that logging feature, you know, that section of code uh, logging feature. Because then I could put a settings feature in the app and turn all that logging on and actually get data from users. There you go. Because I don't wow. like the idea of constantly logging when they don't want it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not logging all the time, like in release, because that's bad, right? You don't want people, you actually don't want people opening your logs on their phone and then no, like, oh, what is this sensitive information that I accidentally put in there? Exactly. Who knows what you're going to accidentally put into a log? That said, always audit your logs. Check it over. Don't put any personally identifiable information in it. Uh, but then there, there's other concerns like what if the log gets really big and, you know, you have to start deleting it. So in general, don't log constantly, but have a toggle switch or something in the app so people can. Yeah, so people can turn it on and off. And I mean, the important part is leverage whatever's on the system first because I leverage mm -hmm. LogCat. So the Android operating system manages my log. Um, so it's not as though I am creating log files, writing things to disk by myself and opening. Yeah, and so log. you don't have to worry about killing their device. That's good. Exactly. Yep. That's the first thing to do is first, foremost, that, that that's going to at least get you closer to the to the fix that you probably need. And then... Yeah, then you might need to open up some more other tools such as, you know, we have a whole DDMS like crazy device manager system on Android that you can use to profile and do a bunch of other stuff and get into the nitty gritty, mm, yeah. right? But sometimes oh, you yeah, just we forgot buy. to mention performance bugs, too. So Ugh. if you put that spinner up for 10 seconds, that's a bug. It should have happened in two seconds. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's performance a performance is a feature. Performance is a bug. It's all those. Yeah, my favorite is a recent one that I, I've been running into a lot is just a development bug, not even reported by, well, by you, actually, this was one was reported in the Evolve application, a timing bug. It's okay. all, t it's a timing performance bug because like I was in that application, what was I doing? I was, yeah, I was, I was, the user would open the navigation drawer on Android. They would click on something uh, and then I would wait, like I would wait a certain time and then it would come back and then like then close it so I could get like a smooth transition because how Xamarin Forms works is that when you load a new page, it'll try to load it so it'll like slow down the UI. The problem was like I was doing like a timer and then this back thing back and forth. So it was like, it was, <laughs> yeah, sure. it was jumping bridges back and forth and then on some Samsung devices it would crash. So like I just toggled it with a task await like false. Mm. And, and I've also seen this whole thing come up in another situation. And just, if you think about it, that's the thing is like, oh, my app crashed. And then you think about it. Right. And, uh, this one was, I'm like logging into a service, right? So maybe you're using, um, Azure AWS or something. There's like a login framework to like log into Twitter or something else. And that launches another activity. So what I've seen in code time and time again, and I'm even guilty of it because I'll just follow documentation is I'll like <laughs> launch the login process, which launches a new activity. Now, when that app, when that thing closes, I get like a token back. But the thing is, you have to kind of realize just because the activity is closed doesn't mean that like your activity is rehydrated fully. So what I try to do is I've seen it time and time again, where like you'll launch the login, it will come back, and then you're like, cool, I got the token, go to this next page. But then the app 
will crash because your view, your fragments haven't rehydrated yet. So you just have to put like so a task. You got to like store it away, wait for uncreated. All, all this talk is actually making me uh, think of a funny little joke. Physicists have this uh, uh, problem. They call it the many body problem. And what it is, is you start with Newtonian mechanics. And after a while, you find out that the equations get very complicated once you get beyond two objects and three objects, four objects, five objects, all the interactions between all the objects becomes very hard. And you're just making me think like anytime you have multiple event sources, uh, pages opening and closing, those are like UI events. Your data is a UI event. Uh, user interaction is another event. Anytime you seem to have more than two event sources, things just get crazy and buggy because all the possible interleavings of all those events have to be covered. Oh, it's totally true. And you just don't have any... Sometimes you just don't have any power over it and you're just, sometimes you have to wait or sometimes you have to do a, a workaround to loop in properly when it's going to be there. Yeah. Um, I, I spend too much time thinking about this problem. It was my whole switch to functional programming was trying to get a handle on event sources, trying to make sense of a world that just seemed too insane. <laughs> you know, yeah, and it's, and it's a different when I when I switched to mobile application development. Um, I, I came from a world where I was either doing like a background service fully or I was doing just like just UI. And then there was like all these managers and things that were in these middle tiers that were handling a lot of that for me because it was huge architecture. So when you're working mm -hmm. in like a purely background, like it's just a service, there is no UI. Well, that's pretty nice, yeah. right? Just like a website, like, oh, it's pretty nice. I can just kind of yeah. run well, As long as you don't crash. Yep. Yeah, you're good. And even if you if you crash this one thing, it's not going to crash your entire like website necessarily. It may right, throw up like sure. a 404. Yeah. But uh, that was the one benefit of websites. It, it really made software reliable by having individual requests failable. We just all assume web requests can fail all the time. So yeah. we just <laughs> bake that into our software. Yeah. <laughs> and it really helps when you're writing software because, say, you get into a weird situation, you can always just throw an exception and say, oh, sorry, service unavailable right now. Please try back in one second. <laughs> because <laughs> my code is bad. <laughs> yeah. It happens. It happens. What, what are you going to do? So when you <laughs> fix bugs, this is a good question. I have, a, I have a question for you because you're fixing a lot of bugs or adding new features. Um, yeah. How do you tell your users that you fixed a bug, right? I mean, <laughs> you see these yeah. app updates that are like bug optimizations and fixer, opti optimizations <laughs> no, and bug fixes, right? Like, what does that even mean? Uh, what, what, no, man, you're, uh, you're making me confused. What's the classic line? Bug fixes and improvements or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Bug, yeah. bug fixes and improvements, optimizations <laughs> or, you know. Uh, so let's see. Um, I've got a few ways. Uh, in general, if someone writes to me about a bug and I actually reply back, I'm sorry to everyone I don't reply back to, but I'll usually say, I'll get this out within the next feature. Look for it there. Um, or, you know, this is going to take six months, <laughs> look in six <laughs> months for this <laughs> bug fix, something like that. But I'm not so bad in my release notes. I actually try to put the high level features. If I know someone publicly, especially reported a bug, but even with just an email uh, reported a bug or it's one that everyone's hitting, I definitely call that out in the release notes. It's just it makes everyone happy when you can say like it's it's a little humbling because you're admitting that you have bugs in your software but on the flip side a user that was frustrated by that bug is probably going to grab that update yeah that would make sense the problem is what's the problem james no one reads release notes that's true because no everyone's got 
auto app update I turned on. That's true. Now, now, now people do. I would say more than anyone. Now, more now more than ever, I just have to get. To I, I think it's a default. I have it on. I'm not going to read all these release notes. So I, I think I would actually prefer. I think we talked about in the onboarding episode that um, maybe just a what's new, especially for bug fixes, it's worthwhile. Don't pop up a what's new saying bug fixes and improvements, but if you pop up a pop something up and saying, hey, this button that hasn't worked in two years works now, you should go try it out. That's worth popping. <laughs> yeah, Mark, make for. it. Yeah, I, I treat that bug like a new feature. Yeah, yeah. You're like, hey, guys, <laughs> remember, this is a quick way to turn off the app, too, but we'd remove that and made it actually do something. Exactly. And then, then people will actually go try it and then you'll actually get more feedback on it, which is good. And I think that the worst, the, the things that I, this goes back to onboarding, but how I presented information is I present, if I'm in an app, right? If I'm in an app, app is a little bit, I ship a lot of libraries that also can have bugs in them too, or have feature requests and then developers are my customers. But if I'm in an app, when I first started, I did the typical, I'm going to list 10 things that I fixed in this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's terrible because if yeah, you list, I, I used to list out like all my work items. That was a bad idea. That's bad, especially if it's not like visible, right? Like that doesn't even help. I mean, we didn't have a public bug. I've never had a public bug trapper tra uh, tracker for one of my mobile applications. Mm -hmm. And I think that's I think that's bad idea to have a public bug tracker, to be honest with you. I don't know. I think a forum is OK. And then you oh. can gather okay. that stuff. But I don't know. I don't I'm not a big fan of public bug trackers personally, but where, where do you fall on the user voice side? Is that a public bug tracker? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's like a public. Like that's what fine. I, okay. Yeah, yeah. What I mean is like a, not necessarily like a bugzilla, but like, yeah, like a bugzilla or like an item. It's a, that's item tracking, right? People are going there and entering yeah. bugs like a user voice or, or whatever you have for a continuous, like people are reporting stuff and then you're putting it into your backlog, right? Mm -hmm. that's how i look it's at a it. manual process and in, in the past i i tried to do a lot of automatic stuff so when i was using fog bugs a support email would come in i'd read through it decide if it actually is a bug and then create a bug link them up anytime i changed the bug the user would get notified anytime mm -hmm. the user came in i knew how many people it was affecting that was a great system it was just so much overhead that i had to drop it yeah uh it would i i really had it in my head that i wanted to be perfectly organized like that and after a while there's so many bugs so many users you just can't be yeah there's some and that's why that's why you can't list them all either you can't list them all because if someone has opened your software and they're like oh there's like these 20 bugs that you fixed i have never seen any of them it kind of makes your software yeah. look bad on the flip yeah just from a marketing perspective yeah. too even if you have an awesome bug fix in there if you list out 20 but like the number one's the most important thing you want to get across to people they might ignore it because yeah. they see a list of 20 yeah and just call out the big ones yeah, and then if you have competitors in the market they're like yeah they're adding features not fixing these important bugs then you know that you know it looks better for them because it's like oh the new feature new feature new feature and some people may never mm -hmm. hit those bugs those edge cases but then when i'm on a library it's completely different i'm like super verbose I mean, I use I use I use <laughs> yeah. GitHub as my issue tracking tool. Right, each repo. repo. So you're talking about as a library author, as a library, as an open source developer, as an open source developer. I manage yeah. bugs. I track bugs. I release yeah. note. Completely different. And I don't even think I do yeah. it correct. That's its own episode, probably. You're right, though. It it is very different. I hadn't mm -hmm. actually considered that the way I treat app bugs versus 
open source. And open source, I tend to rely on A, the community notifying me of things, but B, like you said, the issue tracker. Mm -hmm. Um, You can just rely on it that people know how to use it and they'll figure it out and they're open to it. Whereas if you tried to point a user of your app to an issue tracker, that is kind of terrible. So yeah, it is right. Yeah. Software, we have it easy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Usually... I don't do a very good job of marking releases and things like that inside of <laughs> GitHub. But one thing I do do is usually whenever I close a bug, it's at least linked to the fix, to the ID. And then I say, like, it's in this beta package or it's in this next package. Yeah. And you can track via dates or whatever you want, um, which is nice. And then for my more complex ones, I actually have a change log. And my change log has the important fixes. You keep a change log? Like, 1970s 1980s change log that's so cute yeah people want that i don't know people want it i have a change log like my media plugin i have (laughs) the change log and this is all xyz all the yeah totally it's totally there man feels like something you could auto generate Hmm. yeah yeah i've actually saw i was i was in (laughs) this is a good one i was in azure i was in azure mobile apps the node the node js backend and there was some date time bug or whatever and we tracked it down to some commit and then that commit was flagged for release and then we knew based on the commit and then the the milestone that that was in like it was very well documented that like Mm -hmm. we could roll back to to this 220 and you had all the links and and like to see that properly done was like super super nice Mm -hmm. and i was pretty uh they hit the holy grail huh yeah yeah (laughs) But uh, I'm actually looking. Uh, that's actually a bad one for me, too. Um, my Git foo is a little bit off. And so uh, getting back to the topic of reproducing bugs, sometimes it's terrible when you uh, your your source code has moved on quite a bit from when uh, <laughs> something was worked on or from a release. And then you're trying to track a bug down in a version that may or may not have had fixes. It just gets terrible. So recommendation to everyone out there, learn how to use Git branches and all that. <laughs> my, my new strategy, too, is to um, making my master my work, work branch, which seems wrong. But I'm going back to how I used to do do stuff. at. Uh, <laughs> that's like my always shipping beta. But, yeah. but then when I ship a stable release, then I'm going to create a branch for that one. Yeah. I, I Yeah. People say you should use tags and all that, but the branch way seems so much nicer. Seems great because then anyone could be like, oh, I want to go and I want to look at the source code from 220 or whatever. And you're like, oh, cool. Let me just go into that branch and then perfect. So this is my new thing. I haven't started implementing it, mm-hmm. but I'm implementing on this first release. I'm very excited about it. Um, <laughs> I know it just seems good. I remember how, that's how we used to do it. And when I worked at Canon, every time stable the new stable would come out, we would branch and then you would work off that branch for any fixes to that. But then you're like on to the next version. So you mm-hmm. could do these SR and it's kind of like bringing that big software back, even for these s- smaller applications. Some apps are small, some apps are big, like continuous is big and you know, other big applications, but I have a small application. It's still good because I need to figure out when the heck did I introduce this bug? Sometimes that's the hardest part of yeah. the bug is when did this get introduced? And <laughs> where does it live? And does it still live? You know, so. Yeah. And especially when it comes to those um, big operating system change bugs. Uh, <laughs> the reason I bring those up is because there are often long delays between them. So yeah. you could be working on one bug, or not even a bug. You're working on features. You're like, well, my app is stable right now. I'm, I'm going for a next 0.3 release here. I'm working on a lot of great features. 
but then the operating system gets uh, changed from out under your feet and people demand a quick bug fix. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a crashing bug or something like that. And in that case, you really have to branch off of the old code base because you don't want to jam that into your new feature branch or anything like that. You have to start at the old one, recompile that code, pray that it still recompiles, <laughs> fix the bug, ship that app, and then once it's shipped, once people are happy, try to merge that change back up into your crazy master feature branch. Yeah, that, that's definitely happening. It's a me. process. Yeah. I, wish, I wish I was better at it because, yeah, I've been bit a few times by not having that good branch point. Yeah, it's hard, especially when you know you just want to ship, 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 ship. But it's, uh, it's something you got to kind of like you, you live and learn. You know, I think I've, I've lived and learned on quite a few things with that, with just, you know, CI, like saving time. I used to not even mark my version numbers oh. in the uh, in the yeah, in the version control. So I had no chance of rolling back. I'd be looking at dates and times and be like, well, I guess the code was probably there when I built it. <laughs> yeah. Well, another oh, thing, terrible. yeah, you know, I use a lot of software, too. And this has been super important is as, as you know, we both you and I, we talked about our software and hardware setup is we use all sorts of different add-ins, different IDEs, you know, even Chrome and, and just different tools that we're using on a day-to-day basis. If, if you have something that is working today and you don't need some new feature, right? Let's just say, you know, a new version of Android comes out, but like your app is working fine. Like you don't need to take advantage. Like maybe don't update mm-hmm. Visual Studio or Xamarin, like all that. <laughs> like just maybe just give it a little bit longer, right? Like Yeah, wait for that point one release. It's important. Wait for that point one release. Exactly. And it's the same thing with... Uh, with some apps that the major app releases, I'm like, oh, cool, there's a new version of Resharper comes out. I'm going to just wait a little bit longer because <laughs> yeah. Visual Studio 2015 just came out. Like, I'm going to wait until that update one. That's how I used to, a lot of people used to work with Windows, actually. They'd be like. Yeah, I think that's where it came from, or at least that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Always wait for the point one. Yeah. Windows 3.1 was so much better yeah. than Windows 3.0. There you go. See, it's the exact same thing. Um, it's it's quite fun. Uh, I don't know. So are you good at reporting bugs in all these apps that we use? What do you do when you run into bugs? I'm either terrible or amazing. Uh, Ooh, I'm, okay. How often are you terrible? How often are you amazing? I, I am often terrible, all the time terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good. And, <laughs> you know, I want, the, like, I demand, like, in a way, people to generate good bug reports for me and to tell me about my bugs and my apps or my libraries. Oh, yeah. As the receiver of bugs, they should be fully aware. They should have all the state recorded screenshots, podcasts made about the bug. <laughs> um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, usually, I, I usually try not to report terrible bugs. Um, mm. I, I say like my bug reporting quality is like medium to high, like really good. The problem is I just don't okay. usually report them. And that's usually the problem yeah. is like, I'll run into something. I'm like, eh, like it were like, I can get around. I it know. Somehow. I know the work around. I can click four times and I just have to remember not to click there after I click there. Yeah. And you learn a bazillion of those rules. Yeah. yeah. But then sometimes, ooh, sometimes I get on a <laughs> bug reporting like you get the screencast software out, it, <laughs> YouTube channel going. It, it gets glorious. Yeah. Like sometimes when I'm in it, like I'll just do like a dog fooding day where I'm like, you know what, today I'm gonna just report as many we did an internal bu- dog fooding. This is a while, long, long time ago. Uh, we did one where it was just like we want to test out these new features before it was like even stuff in the alpha branch or whatever. And mm-hmm. I reported the most 
quality bugs in like the entire company. Like I was just like, yeah. I was an addict. I was like, I'm doing this and this. I'm like all this stuff. I'm like screenshots and screen flows. And like, I'm going to do audios. And, like, here's the log cat. And like, here's the clip. And like, here's a sample. Like, here's a sample project. That's great. I'm like, so you had one bug report, but it was 10 megabytes no. and it was awesome. <laughs> no, I had like, I had like amazing bug reports. That's like the best, you know? Um, and, and that's good. You yeah. know, if you use software and I'll preach, I, I should, I should, you know, do what I, what I, you know, preach, but, um, you use software, report the bugs, you know, if, if they have, if there's a good way mm, of reporting yeah. it, a lot of apps don't have a good way. Well, of reporting what's good bugs. is Apple's radar good. Like, uh, I've, I've tried to file a few bugs against Apple and sometimes you get responses, sometimes you don't, but it's a really weird interface and they want a lot out of you. And report the radar um, if it's very important. I've oh had people, boy. Okay. I've had people in use some of my libraries where they said it was a bug in my layer library, but then I found the radar that I could point to that it was actually a bug in, in the operating system. That's how did you find the radar? Um, oh, open radar, open radar. Yeah, right. Yeah. How does open radar work? Do you have to copy and paste your radar into it? I don't it? know how it works exactly. Because um, as far as I know, the problem with radar is or was um, that it wasn't public. You would submit it and then it would vanish. Uh, yeah, something like that. I think maybe someone, you know, did the radar and like, here is my rig. I reported this radar and I did this stuff. You got to give the feedback. Google has a whole open mm -hmm terrible forum thread it's like a google <laughs> group or something that they do it on xamarin has right. bugzilla right you know these are proper reporting tools i don't know yep yep i i guess i'll try i i go through phases too but they're usually like when i don't want to do anything else it's a mode of procrastination i'm like i'm so frustrated i'll write a bug report gotta do it you gotta do it um but unless you have a workaround i tend not to yeah i mean that's the nice thing is if you can find a workaround like let's start there let's and then we can clean it up and then go on further but i mean inside your application do you have like a one-stop shop where people can that you are expecting people to respond to like an email like is there a link to yeah i i try to always have a button in the app mm. saying exactly what i want people to do with this button so i'll have a button saying if you want to request features click this button mm. if you want to report a bug click this button if you just want to chit chat click this button so I, I i try to get a little organization out and that's just for my own sanity so that i can tell you know bugs versus features uh, but the truth is every every <laughs> portal every opening i have for everyone to report bugs in all my apps all kind of get filtered into one big bin anyway uh but i th you definitely should direct people just so you have some sense and siloing on your side yeah i remember i opened up for i think my step kind of no meetup manager i opened just like a little google plus community and to just like people can ask questions and do stuff here because i didn't want to own a forum or i didn't want to do anything yeah there's a lot of free tools yeah. out there you can just be like oh just point them here and then you'll get notified and that's the best part right you can have it subreddits right those are still free you can always just start a subreddit well, i guess you could start a subreddit yeah you could do that subreddit i mean I, you want something to be user-friendly so i don't know if google plus is user-friendly or not but like it's communities are yeah, not too but, bad and and it takes filtering too i mean you can put out a form saying for every bug that you write please follow this form state every this every condition here and there but at the same time you're going to have to be open to people completely ignoring that form that are still posting good bugs i think 
I think that's one of the reasons that software developers, we have a hard time with it. We want them to use things like Bugzilla, mm-hmm. but people just want to write us a sentence or two and send a screenshot. That is correct. And even even developers, you know, we do that too. Like a lot of, I would yeah. say 50-50. <laughs> this sucks. Take a screenshot, red marker it. This this is broke. Yep. Send that. You know, I have a issue template that was something GitHub adds. So like it comes in and yeah. says like, hey, what's the expected behavior? What's the actual behavior? What are the steps to reproduce? Like you know, and then there's a feature request area because there's like a bug or a feature request. And I'm like, you know, remove, it literally says remove whatever you're not using. And then people just leave it all or they delete all of it and just like write a sentence. And it, it doesn't upset me. And no. I'm very nice about ask, like the biggest thing that you can do is whether it's someone consuming your library or they're, con, you know, using your application, just be nice, just be nice about it and be like, hey, you know, oh, yeah. I need a little bit more info. I'm always pretty apologetic, too. (laughs) If anyone's ever gotten a support email from me, I always feel terrible when people find bugs. Going back to the very beginning of the show, I do wish I could write that perfect software. And it is a goal. We should all be trying to write perfect software. But you have to have good plans in place for the bugs that you do create. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We're at 42 minutes or something, according to one of my clocks. Think we should wrap this one up? I think so creating bugs we could probably talk about bugs forever though you can there's so many like <laughs> intricate parts about it because like not every bug is created equal so i don't know no. we'll get into future requests one day i'm sure but uh <laughs> well uh what is this yeah we'll, we'll wait six months yeah we'll wait for the point one then we'll take future requests so there you have it this has been this week's merge conflict i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening peace